Are we very far from the lake, sir? Asked Raoul. What shall we get there? Take me to the lake. Oh, take me to the lake. When we are at the lake, we will call out. Christine will hear us, and he will hear us too. And as you know him, we shall talk to him. Baby, said the Persian. It's just what he wants us to do. It's to go back downstairs through his funhouse so we get all tore up. You gotta call the cops! He's not calling the From a treehouse? Come on. I almost just started singing like Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield for no reason other than reading from my journal, which I didn't prepare this week. I'm not in the zone, but we're going to do it anyway. Welcome to LaRoe Less Traveled. <laughs> Hello, uh, I'm Kara. And I'm Kristen, and we're on top of it. Oh, we're so on top of it. Um, and we've just been recapping The Phantom of the Opera, 1909. Mm -hmm. uh, our finger really on the pulse of like current literature. Oh yeah. And uh, we are on chapter 21 in the belly of the opera. Kristen, how's, how was your week? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning part one has been released. I'm a big fan of the Jerry action uh, genre of movies, but you know, I haven't <laughs> seen it yet. I'm, I'm reserving my space in my heart for next week when um, Oppenheimer and Barbie come out on the same day. And I just think that that's going to be a really special day for a lot of people. And I also feel very strongly that Lyric is going to see Oppenheimer and Carrick is going to see Barbie. That's a great point. And then I think Merrick might do both. He's doing the double I, feature. I think he'd do both because that's what's cool. I, who, yeah. which Phantom listens to podcasts more than the other Phantoms? Definitely not Carrick because he's so, I mean, he's just so busy. Uh, Susan Kay's Phantom Carrick. Uh, he's just busy, like, being an architect and, like, killing people. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to recap <laughs> the book. Um, we, we just made a last minute programming decision that this week we will mm -hmm. only be recapping one chapter because it's such, such a rich text, but. Yeah, before we move forward with chapter 21 of David Coward's translation of The Phantom of the Opera, da, 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 Phantom Corner, what do we got? Uh, great question. So, friend of the pod, Deb, she has not started listening, but she said she will. Um, yes. That's most of our friends of the pond, is just people just telling us, like, yeah, yeah, we'll listen to it. Please stop bothering me. Anyway. They might listen. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> we love... But those of you who listen, we hear for you, which we haven't said in a while. Um, yes. Congratulations to all our baby boys in succession, except for Nicholas Braun getting nominated for their Emmys. But yeah, friend of the pod, Deb, breaking news. Yeah, friend of the pod, Deb, is in, I realized today, I don't know how to pronounce the name of the place, Trieste? Something like that. Trieste? Something like that. <laughs> anyway. Sure. Um those of us who are a little too deep into Phantom of the Opera know that they have recently opened a new non-replica version of the Phantom of the Opera, and that's happening in Italy, like northeastern Italy. And so mm -hmm. Deb, 
friend of the pod, Deb, has traveled from America to Italy this week, and she is actually there as of time of recording. She is there right now in Act yeah. 2. She just messaged me uh, that oh. it is very silly and goofy. <laughs> and, uh, well. yeah, <laughs> you know how it is? Yeah, there are some – so it's a non-replica production, which means that it is not – it's the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, but it is not – like the the normal version that you would see if you went to Broadway or the West End is like the Hal Prince the production, yeah. the original, and so like Hal Prince and Maria Bjornsson and Jillian Lynn and Andrew Lloyd Webber work together on the like original from the eighties, and so that's like copyright, yeah. I think, for that production yeah. specifically. So that's like where you get the sets and the costumes and all that stuff is it's all part of that production, and so there's times when. They'll say, oh, we want to do, like, the music and the script, but we don't want to do... We want to do new costumes, and we want to do new blocking, and we want to do new choreography, and we want to do new sets, and we're going to make it so much better. And <laughs> consistently, it is giving Phantom mess. at Home mess. Yeah. Um, in this version, <laughs> we're getting we're getting live updates from this version that... Uh, Amazing. Ramin Karamloo... <laughs> yeah, for Mean Karamloo, who plays Phantom, and you, most people probably know him because he's the one who did, like, the most widely available production of Phantom, the one that's on YouTube, the Royal Albert Hall version. He's back, mm. and he's the Phantom, and he swings, um, he swings from the chandelier, and I'm not joking, and then he also swings from a rope back and forth <laughs> at one point. He also has, like, giant wings and flies off uh, during the graveyard scene. There's just a lot of choices being made that are giving some people pause uh, in the Phantom community. But, you yeah. know, I'm glad that it's happening. Yeah. It's fun that yep. it's happening. For show notes, we want to make sure to link to another non-replica production that had flying in it yes i'm, I'm not gonna spoil it for you but there's a treat and it is it is an amateur production so you know don't say anything mean but we've, we've got a treat for you with flying phantom in the show notes but so the people's princess earl carpenter i was recently hollering about him being in london like it was a super big deal that he returned to be in london he's a very beloved phantom he's also in this production but he's playing yes. one of the managers he is playing one of the managers, and Deb, famously a good Deb. person to go to. <laughs> so Deb's going to listen to this and be like, is your podcast just about me? Anyway. Yes. Yeah. But she's really good at stage door, and so she's been – she went a couple of days ago, went to stage door, couldn't get Earl. And then this morning, they were at breakfast, and who do they see but Earl Carpenter. So they were able to take a pic with him, this man, truly a coffee shop, meet cute situation so i can't wait for deb and earl carpenter's wedding blessed and highly favored and we received a picture of earl carpenter sitting in the coffee shop listening to our podcast like we were yeah no <laughs> no she took a um, stealth photo of earl on his computer and i was like he's listening to the podcast um he is not yet quick shots to deb for the level of real one like you know we're all fans here i like to think but when the show closed I don't know a person more dedicated than our friend Deb to just going to appreciate the Broadway show before it closed. Also got right on over there to England with a quickness to see Mr. Earl Carpenter. 
but saw, I think she got to see all the understudies, right? Too, just like you. I think so. I think so. Yeah. And then last night, once a week in the Phantom yeah. community, I mean, I don't know if we want to talk about it. Honestly, let's just set up a homing beacon for people to come just get involved. Like, it's fine. That's true. That is true. So uh, in the pandemic, our friend started doing weekly streams of bootleg versions of Phantom of the Opera. So, you know, filmed, filmed secretly, uh, not, not allowed videos of the Phantom and not so secretly. And so every week we watch a different bootleg of the Phantom. Sometimes we watch like international versions or we watch, um, Broadway versions and all that stuff. And so a beloved member of the Phantom edited together what we call the stole boot. Um, which is Jeremy Stoll is one of the understudies on Broadway. We've talked about him before. He has a wonderful podcast, Pod of No Return with Greg Mills. We like it's him great. a lot. He's an understudy and he's done so many rules. We should also make a Greg boot at some point. But someone mm-hmm. spliced together all the rules he has played into one production. So he, in this version that is spliced together, he plays the Phantom, Ral, Pianji, um, Passerino, like he's playing all the new, all the main characters. And honestly, I think it was one of our most fun streams that we've done recently because no one was like, Oh, this Rao sucks. Everyone was just like, he's amazing yeah. in all these roles. Yeah. A it very was a positive, lot of fun. a positive environment, a great energy yes. in the studio. Yeah. Remind me to circle back to Mr. Soul for our closing thoughts, but that is connected. And also Italy is kind of connected to my best moment from the fandom because I think you're maybe planning are you going to go to Broadway Con or like see the, yes. see the kids at karaoke again or something like that you yes. might be seeing them again soon I am on July 22nd which will be over by the time of this recording I'm going to go to Broadway Con which seems really cute I love little known fact about me I have been to a con in my life I know that I exude um sexiness and coolness but I do like fan so conventions. You do. Yes, you know. <laughs> I do have a half finished cosplay, so watch this space if I finish it. But yeah, um, we're some of the friends of the pod are going to go to Broadway Con, um, and we're going to see they have a panel set up for the last cast of Phantom. So I'll definitely um, be very cool and chill and say hi, uh, like a normal person, to the Phantom cast who I love. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. But <laughs> that's what I'm going to do on Saturday. What's the likelihood that you would have ever seen or heard of one Jeremy Stoll had you not gotten into watching these bootlegs during the pandemic? No, I mean, I really, I think I've said this before, but like, I really like, I watched Love Never Dies on YouTube because they were like releasing pro shots kind of weekly on this like site called The Show Must Go On. And so I watched Love Never Dies and I was like, surely no one else gives a shit about this musical from 1986 like I do. And then... I like went online and I was like, oh my goodness. And immediately I found like these weekly bootlegs or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't think we're going to link to them because like obviously, but uh, you know, DM us. Our DMs are open if you're someone who is a fan and wants to, you know, once a week yeah. watch Phantom of the Opera. It's, it is available and like we're not going to gatekeep. Or like if you even maybe just simply go to YouTube and type Hugh Panero. Um, yeah, there's a lot of connective tissue here with just, um, Phantom Dark Web and our friendship in particular, but I never saw Mr. Panero, 
who should have been in House of Gucci as Phantom. I saw him in Lestat, but I, I was just watching a compilation. There's a user named Glass Prism who has some honestly delightful compilations that you can watch and some cast members do. I was watching one of her compilations of some scene or another and I truly said, what the fuck is this man doing? And that was Hugh Panero. And that's, you know, and so I'm so... I never got to see him live, but um, he's he's very special. He's brought a lot to my life. But my number one phantom moment of the week, Kara, and then we're going to get into the chapter, uh, was a video that I menaced you with yesterday. Um, yes. I sent you clips. I sent you gifts. It's of the Chinese mm-hmm. production. And there's a man in this production. The grace, the movements, the vocals. This man's name is Ayanga. He's like a big musical theater star in China. And, um, like, apparently producing. Like, he's just like Rick. He's mm-hmm. he's in the mix. Directing, written by, <laughs> acted by. What would you describe as the feelings when I sent you the rehearsal gifts of his first lair? He's doing these behaviors in sneakers and a t-shirt. It's great. Yeah, the civilian it- fit, as you said. But this man is so fine. Um, just, like... I think we really underestimate the importance of having just, like, a man with a crazy amount of body control just, like, being slutty on stage. So important to the role. Um, like, Laird McIntosh, famously a ballet, a former dancer, mm-hmm. was also Phantom. And his, like, you just, it's just so good. So this man was well, crazy. I did message you, did you slow down this gif and put it in slow motion? No. And you said no. And I said, that's horrible. We'll be linking yeah. to the video. But so those are those are some replica productions um mm-hmm. or you could go to italy and see the non-replica production you can see flame and hot remain on the chandelier i didn't see that i did famously see him in love never dies but my exposure to him was as raul on the west end and what a wonderful raul he he was i would even <laughs> say he was giving some a uh, little bit of baby girl energy i would say as raul that's Kara. yeah Oh no! What was the energy that Raúl brought to the chapter this week? It only took me fifteen um, minutes, and I got it. No, there. that was a beautiful. I was just gonna say, like, yeah, you know what you need body control for? Uh, getting into a tiny hole in the ground and scurrying into your house. Yeah, or hiding in cramped spaces with another man. Yeah, fellas, successfully. Uh, yeah. So we are talking about chapter twenty-one in the belly of the opera. Well, anytime we message each other what the fuck is happening before, mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's a good sign. It's a sign of a good episode. So it's going to be a good chapter. Know. But we're just yeah. doing the one because we were like, what the fuck is happening? It's true. Uh, and then we also peaked at the next chapter. And I think, folks, you're going to really like that next chapter. So that'll be fun. Um, that'll be a fun wine chapter to do. Yeah, I have to do like special meditation before it. So yeah. We'll get there. But this week, when we last left them, they had done a young Frankenstein and swiveled right on into Eric's domain. Yes. Put the candle back. And Mm -hmm. they, so they have looped back around and the door closed softly behind them. Unfortunately, horny. Gonna keep saying it because Mm -hmm. this chapter is shockingly horny. Um, Yeah. No, yeah, on. the darkness full of unbroken silence. Finally, the Persian decided to get down to make a move. Raul heard him get down on all fours and feel around for something in the dark. <laughs> Gaston, if you expect us to keep on t- This was not it, my guy. How do you expect us to act when you're saying these things? 
Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> he, he knows. And then Raul gets a little scared, but mm-hmm. the person with the lantern is the Persian. And so he's got yeah. like a, what's going on here? Yeah. Let me pull up the text. Okay. Suddenly the shadows were pierced by a cautious light of a small dark lantern. <laughs> Raul recoiled instinctively as if to evade the attack of a hidden enemy. Then he realized that the lamp, each one of whose movements he watched carefully, was the Persian's. So just as I was talking about how our uh, first mini-sode that's like three hours long is just us going, in reaction to the text, that's kind of all Raul's really doing down here. He's just, everything is a jump scare for Raul. Raul's getting jump scared for the next entire chapter. Um, But yeah, he's looking around. He's, He's looking at the Persian shine his light around. Raul realized that Christine must have come this way on the night she had followed the voice of the Angel of Music. It had to be Eric's usual route when he came to abuse her trusting, innocent heart. Art girl. Okay, girl. <laughs> I, I love Raul. Now. I don't know what to tell you. He's amazing. He's so... He just... I, I hear... I mean, we've said this before, but, like, in the... And like into in Phantom Dark Web, like there is a lot of hate for Laroe Raoul. I would defend him with my life. I love him so much. He's like, women, women can't make decisions. She's just being taken advantage of. And it's like, you just whatever helps you sleep at night, babe. I'm gonna say that he's like Drake levels of in my feelings at all times, even though I don't necessarily want to endorse Drake, but like it's <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Um yeah, so remembering what the person said, he's like, Ugh, I guess that fucking genius playboy millionaire philanthropist, Tony Stark, Rick, um, built, built this. this. But later he would learn that Eric had discovered a secret passage that had already been dug there. A hidden corridor whose existence had long remained unknown except to him. And then there's a, there's a bunch of shit about the Paris Commune and the construction in this that really... We're struggling. It, it It is interesting. Here's the thing. What I don't understand is you made these passageways to, like, bring people to the cellars. But it's like, okay, but did you consider it's kind of horny? Yeah. Well, To yeah, have a so- tunnel from a, a mirror? Also, what is going on at the Paris Commune? Because they're like, yeah, you know, they used hot air balloons to launch off the roof and, like, do their revolution. <laughs> Maybe I should do more research on the Paris Commune. What are you talking about? Like, did people use hot air balloons? We might need to link to a, like... A Wikipedia corner? Yeah, Paris Commune <laughs> for absolute clowns, because... Yeah. Because I, I knew that can't. there was, like, there was a revolution... As Vanessa Hudgens would say, lots of people died. It was sad. But no, we know there was a resolu- revolution and that the opera was used as part of that, which seems fairly straightforward. But then we're getting shit about hot air balloons and it's just like, but No. And you know who would love a hot air balloon? Rick. I'm shocked he hasn't. Maybe he will. Yeah, maybe he will. Um, Raul lost sight of the Persian, but suddenly he felt him at his side and could hear him breathing and that is horny. Follow me and do exactly as I do. Woo! And so they both get on their fucking knees and then lower themselves into a hole in the ground. Uh, And they also have their guns between their teeth. Come on now. Curiously enough, Raul had absolute confidence in the Persian. It's giving Hey Little Songbird. Um, Though he knew nothing about him, and despite the fact that he, the little he'd said only made 
a baffling situation even more mysterious, he had no hesitation in believing that at this critical juncture, the Persian was on his side and against Eric. So, okay, is the Persian fucking Patrick Page as well? Like, what's happening? I He's like, well, if he wanted to hurt me, why did he give me a gun? And it's like, well, I mean, you don't seem super, like, with it. So actually, well, I don't know if that's the case. Raul did not have much freedom of action. <laughs> Raul too knelt, inserted himself into the trap. No, why did he write it this way? Raul too knelt, inserted himself into the trap, and hung from it by both hands. He heard a voice say, let go, and he dropped into the arms of the Persian, who ordered him to lie down flat on the ground, closed the trap above their heads, though Raoul did not see how he managed it, and joined the Viscount on the ground. Big Jack and Rose energy? I don't know. Raoul started to ask his question, but the Persian put his hand over his mouth. <laughs> Come on! Uh... So then, so then they two... hear the cops. Yeah. 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 They overhear the police um, kind of through the wall. I couldn't really suss it out. It seems like through the wall, right? Yeah. And then something we work on a lot in our writing is where are we in time and space? Yeah. Generally, for me, that's something I struggle with in more um, what are these people doing with their bodies type scenes. But I actually don't know where these people are. They're just kind of like behind. They're in a little hidden they're behind a wall and it's very dim and they hear voices. Yes. And oh, then and they trip over three dead bodies also. Like you do at the Paris Opera, which is like a family. Yeah. And so Raoul's like, oh God. And so, and again, horny, uh, Raoul could have touched the hands of one of the bodies. Be quiet, hissed the Persian once more. He too had seen the bodies and said one word in explanation. Him. He's just like <laughs> him he won't say eric which <laughs> we love it so then the cops are like bumbling through this um yeah like da, 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 and ral's like oh we must be near the organ pipes and me and everyone else was like okay the instrument and then gaston larose like whoa we need a page on this explanation no i don't mean yeah. an organ instrument i mean the like the tubes and ducts of how electricity works and how hydrogen's using to regulate the lighting of the set. Which, uh, again, this place is just begging to blow up. Like, hydrogen this was done. Not. This was done by a means of special apparatus requiring a multiplicity of conduits, ducts, and tubes. Is this Oppenheimer? Like, what's happening? Right. Um, this seems like Oppenheimer waiting to happen. And so they're like, oh, we're, we're looking for Malclair. He's the guy who, like, is in charge of the lighting. And they're like, we can't find him, can't find him. I love this line. Damn, I can't open this door. Is it always this stiff? Gaston, stop. Stop. I know. Stop. And then they're like, oh, there's a human body behind this door. That's why we can't open it. Good news, guys. They found Moclair. Bad news. Well. He's not dead, though, which is interesting. They're like, he's dead. And they're like, eh, he's probably been drugged because he, like, did, he had, like, a snuff, he had snuff or whatever, and he, um... He's probably been drugged. And they're Someone like, oh, that's weird. He's drunk. It's not yeah. the same thing. Yeah, so we established that being drunk is actually not the same as being dead, which, you know, thank you for that. Thank you for that. And they're like, interesting. So someone else has been tampering with the lights because this guy's been out cold. Yep. 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 Who could it be? <laughs> Who and could this it be? is where we really, we really get into the, as I like to say, who can say of the chapter? 
The rest of this chapter is just so full of Gaston describing some wild shit and then saying, who did it? Wink. Who can say? Uh, It's good. So the cop's like, this is weird. And so he gets the experts on the case. He goes, what do you make (gasps) of it all, gentlemen? He asks, you're the only ones who haven't said what you think. Come on now. You must have an opinion. And the poor managers pop out. And they go, um... Things are happening here, Inspector, which we cannot explain. And then they disappear. Oh, God. And it really has a thank you for that information, gentlemen. Literally. He said thank you for that. Ignore my barking a minute ago. I thought I shut off my microphone and I did not. Um, So that was helpful. They, Mm -hmm. They congrats to the whole team. Yeah. And then they're like, well, this guy like never like this man is not showing up to work drunk. Unlike seemingly some people at this opera house. But the last time this happened, he was, like, drugged. He was so, like, high that he he um couldn't do his job the night that La Carlotta croaked. <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's weird. That that That's such a, a coincidence. Oh, I didn't notice this before, and I think it got cut out of D'Amato's. Oh, yes, Inspector. And there on the ledge is a snuff box. He likes his snuff. So do I, said Freud, and he put the snuff box in his pocket. This man's like, I'll just take that. Thank you. Thank you. Free snuff. Thank you so much. Yeah. Also, like, maybe don't touch, like, the guy has been drugged. Like, he probably was, like, chloroformed, like, as we know from how Christine was treated. But I wouldn't touch the, like, maybe tampered snuff. Dexter Morgan cannot stand these people. It's it's too much. So they watch this whole thing and they're like, that was crazy. (laughs) <laughs> so then they keep going. And the Persian's like, you need to keep your hand up as if you're about to shoot a gun. Like, and baby boy is like, my arm is tired. Oh. And he's like, my aim won't be good if my arm's tired. I can't shoot with my left hand. And he's like, for the love of fucking God. He's like, it's not about firing with your right hand or your left. It's uh-huh. about keeping one hand up with your arm at a right angle as if you're going to pull the trigger of your pistol. The pistol isn't important. If you prefer, keep it in your pocket. You must understand this, or I cannot be held responsible for what might happen. It's a matter of life or death. Now say nothing and follow me. He's had it. He's had it. He's like, it is about keeping your fucking hand up here. If the prop helps you, do that. If the prop doesn't help you, put it away. Keep your hand up. And Raul's like, "Uh," my uh, arm's fine. I remember watching when we watched... um, the 2004 Phantom of the Opera, I remember, like, we couldn't, we children watching this film were, like, we couldn't handle how, like, Madame Jury's, like, can you please fucking keep your hand up? And he's just, like, yeah, for sure. And he does it for, like, half, Patrick Wilson does it for literally half a second, and then he puts his hand down and immediately just gets yoinked by (laughs) Eric, and we're, like, you idiot. So we know that this is not going to work out. Then we get into, like, the five levels. A lot of the description stuff is cut out, is, like, abridged for um, for the text mm. version. It's just, it's, this chapter is giving a lot of things. This is a Stagecraft 101 chapter, so. Yes. It could be as enchanting as a child's marionette show or as breath-stopping as a bottomless pit. So then we get into, like, what this place looks like. It's, like, there's, there's images and, like, um drawings of what this place looks like it does look like this like there's just a bunch of shit there's rollers there's counterweights like all this stuff 
to keep the chandelier up, to keep all these heavy ass sets up. There, there has to be like this kind of backstage situation that's happening for all of this stuff to work, um, and to keep mm-hmm. this building afloat. And so all this stuff, there's like storage down here. Um, Satan is down here. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it says in the text, Satan rises from these lower regions and returns hither by the same token. And he's talking about a character in, in a show, but is he, you know? Right. And so Raul's like, wow, uh, Obi-Wan's his only hope. Persia, mm-hmm. the Persian is his only hope. What would he have done without him in this hellish labyrinth? So it's true. Um, his internal monologue, would he not have been brought to a stop at every turn by this furious tangle of beams and ropes? Would he have been caught in this gigantic spider's web with no choice of ever getting free? No, he wouldn't have even, let's just get this straight, Raul. You wouldn't have even figured out the fake mirror that scoops you into this thing in the first place. Like, you wouldn't have even gotten to this part. So, like, yeah, you're right, but also, like, let's keep it moving. And so... The Persian, I mean, he's the person just like me for real as someone who has taken 80 high school students through Times Square on a field trip. He (laughs) keeps turning around to check that they're following directions and keeping a hand up. So he does turn around and he's like, for the love of God. I cannot explain it, but this whole part has the same energy as that teach your children to beatbox meme. I don't, but that's our old in the Persian. I can't explain it. But he showed him his own hand, which had no gun in it, but was raised and ready to fire as if it had been holding his pistol. So he's doing the like, <laughs> eyes on me. Yep. He's like, come on. Um, <laughs> and then there's an announcement on the intercom, uh, <laughs> which is all the door boys have to come to the stage. The inspector wants to see them. So then we find out that the Opera Garnier does not have a 401k plan nor a pension plan, but instead, uh, all the old stagehands who they didn't want to fire or didn't want to get fired just live in the bottom of the opera house and sleep there. And they call them door boys, which has a saucy kind of... Yeah, it. I'm like, mm, all right, anything goes over here. They're called just called the trap door shutters in the other one. This is better. Yeah, they like kind of, sh- I don't even know if they do that, though. <laughs> like, they're like, they kind of like, make sure some stuff is closed. Obviously, they don't do a great job because Eric yeah. is <laughs> still existing. And they make sure there's no drafts. Yeah, the grandpa telling a yarn energy of they had employed them as door shutters below and above the stage. They came and went throughout the building, shuttling traps and doors. They were also known in those days, I believe they are all dead now, as droughts. And that's why I said it's like a grandpa story. Like, I think they're all dead now. Like They don't do that anymore. They don't have, you know, what happened to the days when you could just live at the opera house under the, <laughs> under the, and then just close the doors and go, what, are we air conditioning the whole, the whole world? Let's close this door. Come on now. So that's but- their job. It's just like there's so, and there's just a fuck ton of them and they like are all like stooped and fucked up because they like live in the darkness. There's so many people. Exactly. Here's the thing is like just there are so many the people living at the opera who are like fucked up and then there's like but like Rick is the worst one and it's like it's not like he's by himself. There's so many people who are like, you know, I always thought of him as like Oh, like, there's one person at this opera house that's, like, in the walls. No, there's, like, a exactly. lot of people in the walls. Heartbreaking. 
homeschool energy phantom unfortunately got something right because i watched that musical and was like watch yeston copet phantom Mm -hmm. um non-horny and like what do you mean he employs a bunch of people that what you're telling me eric can like team build and and lead people in yet maybe not but there is a bunch of people living down there with him in that uh and so there are here but like i feel like in other versions one of the leading weird things about Eric is that he fucking lives under the opera. This book is telling us like, no, a lot of weird things about him, but actually that's not what we would like lead with. Um, yeah. yeah. It did just make me think of, please cancel me. Um, remember that part in, I'm so sorry, that part in Sherlock where he has the network of like unhoused people that he like employs to do his bidding. Oh, I, I can't remember. That always stood out to me because I'm like, it was one of those things where like, I think it's like three episodes in or whatever. And he's like, by the way, I just like have a bunch of people that I make do things. And like, it's kind of a lazy way to like, show how he like gets some things done. But also like, if there's a bunch of people who will open and close trap doors, maybe he's he's getting them to help him um, in exchange for maybe he's paying them the 20,000 francs. Maybe that's what he's using yeah. the money for. That Sherlock thing sure sounds like the typical, you know, finger on the pulse sensitivity that we can really expect from Stephen Moffat. But um, <laughs> exactly. So they they hide. They see all these like all the door boys kind of like move with a sense of urgency, and they're like, "Well, this is kind of good because now I'm not going to trip over a random and then have to explain what I'm doing down here because that'll that'll slow us down." But then there's there are other shadows. With mm-hmm. lamps looking for someone. And the Persians is like, God damn it. Like, all right, keep your hand up. We gotta we gotta keep it moving. Leave your gun in your pocket, cause like Raoul's complaining again. Come on, let's go. They're on the fourth level down from the stage at this point. Mm-hmm. And then uh he's like, You we we gotta act as if you're fighting a duel and waiting for the signal to fire. A duel is what it is, sir, and what a duel. Mm-hmm. And Raul does say, like, okay, but if we're not really going to use the guns, then, like, what was, I thought I heard someone say something about, like, these are the best pistols. Like, they're so accurate. Sure, but we'll sort it out later, Raul. So the the Persian, they get to the the bottom level. And interestingly, uh, the Persian kind of relaxes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Which is, I'm sure, sorry. And then... He's like, it's fine, it's fine, it's just fucking firefighters, like, firemen are looking, um, you know, they're just doing their rounds, like, we're not, it's not him, it's not him. So, uh, it's gainfully really cool... employed people minding their business. <laughs> Which, apparently, the, a footnote corner, we get a lot of fun footnotes this chapter, because um, yeah. we get this kind of, like, uh, you know, this experience of, like, oh, this is actually, like, a reporter reporting on this story, um, which Gaston LaRoe is kind of trying to to imply here. And so he's like, yeah, like, uh, when there isn't a show on, they have firefighters making sure that there's not, like, any fire hazards and stuff, but they're so bad at their job and they don't really know what's going on down there that they actually cause a bunch of fires. So they had to stop doing that. <laughs> Thank you for that corner. So many corners. So many, there's so, so many, many corners. dark corners. So then they, they hide... Then- Lie flat on the ground, whispered the Persian. So, great, great start. Then we have what I like to call 
oppressing Kristen specifically corner because it's the ADHD. I, I stay getting off topic. What am I supposed to do with this? What is this? Why has this happened? Who is the shade, Kara? Why? I don't know. A shadowy figure, which was not carrying a lamp, a shadow among the shadows was bearing down on them. It passed so close they could have touched it. They felt the warmth from his cloak on their faces, for they could now make out the figure clearly enough to see that the man was wearing a cloak which covered him from neck to feet. On his head, he wore a soft felt hat. He moved off, brushing the walls at each side of his feet and at intervals poking a toe into a dark corner. Yeah, and then he's like, oh, I know him. He knows me. And then Raul is like, well, I'm part of security. The Persian said he's something worse than that and does not explain further. Neither does the footnote. What? what I didn't you just describe the, the first time. What is going on here? Oh, see, it's in the text of the mm. uh, D'Amato's version, which is weird. Um, let me Let me click on it. I'm going to read it. Maybe we'll cut it. The author is no more prepared than the Persian to provide a more detailed explanation of the sudden shadowy materialization. Explanations for everything else in this absolutely true story, however outlandish on the surface, will normally be provided. But I cannot say in so many words exactly what the Persian meant by replying, he's something far worse than that, worse that is than being a member of the theater police. Readers will have to work it out for themselves, for I think it given them a solemn undertaking to the ex-director of the Paris Opera, some guy whose name I can't pronounce, never to make public the secret of the fascinating and very useful individual who wanders like a shadow in a cloak. By condemning himself to a life spent confined to the cavernous regions beneath the opera house, he has rendered signal services to opera goers who, on gala nights, for example, are bold enough to venture into the lower depths. I speak of security matters, and I am not at liberty, I swear, to be more specific. What the fuck? Who is it? So all I heard was it's not not Rick, but it's also not Rick, but it's not not Rick. And it's like, well, he's shadowy and menacing and you described him hornily. So like, yeah, yeah, I think it's Rick. Gaston said, there's a lot here, but I can't talk about it. What? Is it Rick with sunglasses so that, on? <laughs> is it Rick with sunglasses on? Possible. <laughs> was it him? And he's like, no, you'd see the eyeballs. Yeah. So yes, it's yes. Yeah, that's. A great He's like, provided he doesn't come at you from behind, he always he, sees yellow eyes. It's one advantage we have in the dark. But if he creeps on up on us from behind by stealth, we will die unless we keep our hands up at eye level as if we're about to shoot. Then. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then. A, and then a fiery face not attached to a body starts glowing and like growling at them. <sighs> And I'm like, what on earth is going on here? And they're like, oh my goodness, Pepin, the fireman, wasn't seeing things after all. He sent this, like, flaming face. Be careful. Keep your hand up. Level with your eyes. Keep it up. And so they start, like, avoiding this, like, demon that's, like, this floating head that's, like, demon-y. And they're like, the Persian's losing his shit because he's like, I thought I knew all his tricks, but apparently I don't. What the fuck is this? I think it's in Super Mario 3 that sometimes, like, the sun will get angry and come down and, like, chase you around. Um, so... It's that. Super Mario Brothers 3 AU. It ends up very much not being that, but they feel like they're being chased by, like, a 
flaming face. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. So they're like, they're running. Raoul's like, maybe it's him. And the Persian's like, this doesn't make any sense because like we're on the side of the opera house. He doesn't really come around. It's not near the lake or his house. But maybe he knows we're getting close. Although I mm-hmm. did promise that I would leave him alone in the future and stay out of his business. Which I, I just simply not know. knowing, but... Yeah, I just want to know what middle school boy argument they had where he's like, oh, mind my own business. Mind your own business. So they're like, the head's getting closer. They're like, what the fuck? Then there's like this weird ass, like creaking, like squeaking noise. And they're like, what the hell is that? I'm thinking like, maybe it's like the mechanism that's like creating this situation, whatever. And they're stuck against the wall. It gets closer and closer. And what is it, Kristen? <laughs> What's the Indiana Jones quote? Um, oh, no, rats. Why did it have to me. be rats? Yeah. It's giving Indiana Jones snake pit. And the Persian's like, okay, he told me to avoid it. But like, he to be fair to me, he didn't actually get into the specifics of how bad it was. So God damn it, Eric, this is somehow your fault. So they're being swarmed by rats. They're swarmed by um, rats because this man is not like catching rats in traps these rats just hang out with him yes (laughs) he's like the pied piper or something yeah but it's very visceral they're like crawling up their legs and both men are like we are going to die now oh my god like it's it's, i would think that too upsetting yeah yeah um he's like stop bothering my rats (laughs) but this is funny but the blazing head stopped and turned when they started screaming and now it spoke don't move Keep still, and most particular, don't follow me. I'm the rat catcher. Let me pass with my rats. He said, shut the fuck up and mind your business. Everyone's like, please, like, you're not supposed to be down here. And they're like, okay, look, we do have to be down here. And The idea is these men just did... wandering into this man's path and they're screaming and he's like... I- also iconic, then the Persian says, uh, I should have remembered, Eric told me about the rat, ch- rat catcher. I just like the idea that they were, like, having lunch and, like, Eric's like, yo, there's a really weird guy down here. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> you want to avoid that. And it's like, who do you, like, Eric is not the weirdest guy down here. I hate this. Yeah, they were they were having a little happy hour, like a wine flight. And he said, by the way, just heads <laughs> There's a really weird guy. Um, and yeah. so then Iconic. He said, stay safe. <laughs> he said, stay safe. And he's like, that's crazy. I thought it was one of his tricks because he doesn't come around on this side of the opera house. We don't know why, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And so Raul um, never misses a trick, I guess. And he's like, does that mean we're still a long way from the lake? When are we going to get there? Come on, let's go. When we reach the lake, we'll call Christine's name. We'll shout. We'll shake the walls. She'll hear us. And so will he. And since you've met him before... We'll talk some sense to him. Raul? How can a man be so wrong about so many things? (laughs) This is where I said, Mama, let's research. Because that's what the Persian says. He's like, what? No, this is not a plan. Shut the fuck up. Do you remember the part where we have guns? Like, what do you think this is? This is not like, we're not going to talk this man down. He's like, we're not going to get in the house. Don't be such a young fool, said the Persian. We'll never get inside his house from the lake. Why not? Well, I'll tell you. He's like, no, because that is where he has placed 
the home alone Kevin McAllister booby trap, Raul. Keep up. Oh my God. <laughs> so he tries to explain. He's like, no, he he knows people be fucking trying to get in by the lake. So he's guarding the lake. Yes. Also, um, Mermaid AU, which is not oh like God. a new idea by any means. I've seen a lot of really great uh, fan art and fan fiction about this. Mm-hmm, but he mm-hmm. goes, hey, if you hear um, Chekhov's voice beneath the water... The voice yep. of the siren, block up your ears. So there's apparently also a siren in the lake that will try to get you to, like, drown yourself. That's cool. Uh, definitely not Rick. Definitely not Rick. What's the, what's the Greek myth where he, like, he has mm-hmm. he has himself tied to a post yeah. so that he mm-hmm. can hear he, he can hear the mermaid broads, but not go to them? Um, yes, Odysseus does that. Yeah. The Persian said, no, we're not doing the Odysseus shit. You go ahead and plug your ears right up because definitely yeah. not Rick's voice is simply it's powerful. And so then Ralph says, well, what are we doing? Can you at least let me die for her? And he's like, please, I'm begging you to calm the fuck down. He goes, take it from me. We're going to sneak inside his house before he finds out we are not going in the front door because that's where the paint can is going to swing and knock us out. We got to go in the back. And he goes, you mm-hmm. reckon there's hope of that? And he goes, oh, if there wasn't, I wouldn't have come looking for you. Which is very the funny. Persian. He's like, our odds are okay. But he's also had it. He's like, no, yes, I'm saying there's a chance. Maybe not a great chance, but if we simply could not do it, wouldn't be scurrying around, you know, in the amongst the rats with you. But no. So we got to loop around. And yeah, yeah. Uh, go back to where Joseph back. Bouquet died. We got to circle back to the third floor, and then we're gonna kind of like scoot around, and we'll we'll see how it goes. The like space of this is so confusing to me because it's also dark. I don't know. So they end up They're they end up on the third floor, just bumbling about. But yeah, third yeah. floor. And then we see those worker people, the demons uh, that Christine was talking about. She was like, "Hey, there's like demons down here," and it's like the poor people who are working on the like. In the forge, like the the Irish people in Titanic. <laughs> yeah. So they loop around, and then uh, another corner, <laughs> lake corner, which was actually yep. kind of interesting to me. Why did they build it like this? Why did they build it like? Why did they do that? I I didn't. I, I hate to say I did not find out any like new facts on my Paris Opera House tour because I didn't use the audiobook. I wish I did, because I am intrigued why they do this. Well, but you you were also there for vibes, and you received vibes and benefited from vibes, true. so... I was very, very sweaty. It is 95 degrees in, like, France. It's so hot right now. Um. All right, so they... We had to be in the lowest point of the opera house, because when the opera house was built, Gas on the Road tells us, they had to dig a giant fucking cavity 50 feet below the level of the water table in that part of town. So they had to pump out all the water. And in order to picture how big this area was, it's the area of the square court of the Louvre and one and a half times as high as Notre Dame. Um, and they still didn't remove the lake. They just removed some of the water. <laughs> we made the right decision. This chapter is all over the place. This chapter was put together during the writer's strike by just whatever they had for the chapter when they had to move forward. Yes. So then we find out there's like two kind of like two walls. So they had to do like kind of a watertight interior wall. And that's kind of like what Rick is building his house against. So they had Mm -hmm. to kind of get in between those two like areas and they're like kind of scooting around, I think. 
Then we get some more architecture corner. I don't care. Moving on. And they're listening and they don't hear anything. And at some point, Raul's like, oh no, like we're too late. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like, <sighs> we don't know. Because, like, I wouldn't scream if I was so far away from civilization. Yeah. So they, and they do get to the point, the Persian finally hits his no more talking point, like <laughs> zip it point. Yeah. Um, Quiet game, please. He really does. Raul has to be told to play the quiet game. <laughs> and so then they see this, um, the, a backdrop, and there's a flat, and that's where we found Joseph Bouquet, but they never found the murder weapon, which is weird, because if he killed himself, why would it be gone? And so the Persian kind of reminds us of that, and so they're like, all right, stop talking. There's a lantern coming through the cracks of the floorboard. That's kind of suspicious. That's odd. And so he's like, all right, we're going to squeeze through. We're going to turn a block of stone turns. There's an opening in the wall. He like scurries underneath it. Um, they cock their pistols. So that's scary because the Persian yeah. hasn't been using his gun this whole time. He's like, the gun's not important. Now he's like, the gun's important. It's that, um, right. that meme of, <laughs> it's that meme of like the astronaut that comes back from the moon and like grabs a gun and it's like, <laughs> moon's haunted. <laughs> Like, he's like, the the lair is haunted. And so he grabs his gun. And so they're like, yeah. all right, we're going to have to, like, we're going to have to fall into this hole, uh, take your shoes off, which is weird. And so he's like, we're going to drop into his house. So, um, you know, honestly, the rudest thing you could do is just drop in without warning. So I do really like Raul, who wanted, who had wanted to go first, had to be content <laughs> to follow. Raul, mm -hmm. this is not the time for lion leader energy. So... I, no and he's funny. like i'll catch you because like the persian drops down and he's like fuck that was really loud like there's no way he didn't hear it and then um ral says he could not hear any sign of christine not a cry not a call for help not a groan ye gods have they come too late again i wouldn't be yelling especially if you're kidnapped and like christine has already expressed before like if I am kidnapped by this guy, I will try to be as nice as possible to him so I don't die. Yeah. A, I think she could figure out that she ought to, like, save her voice. But B, like, acting terrified is not really the way to make it go great with Rick. But again, above, Raul was like, why don't I hear her screaming for me right now? Like, right now. Right. It's like, she doesn't know you're there. No. Um, And so he... Scrapes his knees, clings to the stone, lets himself fall, grabbed by a pair of arms. Oh, yeah. It's me, whispered the Persian. Don't say a word. They stood where they were, with ears straining. Raoul dug his nails into his lips to stop himself crying out, Christine, it's me! So I guess <laughs> he's doing me, his Christine. best. <laughs> yeah. he, he stops himself from screaming that, so let's celebrate that. Yeah, it's like, girl, we're breaking and entering. Shut up. And so he's, like, looking at the openings. He's like, oh, the, like, stone behind us closed by itself. Oh, there's um Chekhov's Punjabi bowstring. Oop. Which the footnotes tell us is a deadly noose made of cat gut or sometimes silk, an efficient method of garroting enemies, and was in widespread use by bandits and executioners from Turkey across Persia, Afghanistan, and as its name indicates, the northwest frontier of India. At times, however, Leroux suggests that it was used not only in close quarters, but also thrown in the manner of a lasso. 
So we just do have an image of Rick, you know, riding on a horse like horse girl, mm-hmm. lassoing people, but not in a fun way. You know, no. dead. Way. That's how he's killing yeah. people, which is crazy. And so they're like, okay, I think this is the the murder weapon. And then they're like, huh, okay. Um, there's a tree with the with leaves. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, there's a mirror here. the the wall The wall's a mirror. Um, okay. And then. They're sweating because the Persian goes, hey, bud, we're in the torture chamber. And I just imagine Ral's like, the what? <laughs> and he does play. It's in italics. We've landed in his torture chamber. And that's the end of the chapter. Ugh, incredible. And we did do it in 62 minutes. And I think that's beautiful. Prediction corner, Kara. Prediction corner. Um, I don't think this is going great. Are they still barefoot? I'd have to check, but... Let's assume, sure. Yeah, because he said boots off. Boots off. Boots. Boots the house down. Uh, I don't know what the tree is, so that's interesting because uh, that's something. And, uh, I mean, we we know from the musical he built a, a hall of mirrors for the Shah of Persia. This can't be mm-hmm. good. Yeah, it's and not great. It's not great, It's Bob. not going to be good because he's done this. He does do torture with mirrors. So we are not gonna be good so this is in his house yeah he do be torturing with mirrors always be torturing with mirrors and looming it's rick yeah yeah okay cool (laughs) yeah prediction corner i don't think it's gonna go great i do think he's gonna um the mirror is gonna reveal that it's a like a double-sided mirror and so like christine and him can like see through into the torture chamber like it's like a line, a police lineup, and that's going to go really well. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's going to go great. I, do you uh, think, and I actually can't remember what the answer is at this point in the novel. Do you think Rick knows that they're in the house at this time? Um, I don't, but I do think that like, much like an air fryer, it is going to make like a beep noise that you've put food in. <laughs> I do think this is, I do think the torture chamber is like a giant air fryer also, just like based on what I know about certain versions of the Phantom of the Opera and also from fan fiction I have read. I think it is going to microwave them like a hot pocket. Well, right. What if we're actually being unfair to Rick? Because this is simply his version of the Simply Safe home protection system. Our <laughs> podcast is sponsored by, no, a lot of <laughs> podcasts are sponsored by Simply Safe. Maybe ours should be, because you know who I bet could design a really good Simply Safe? Rick. Um, no. Maybe that's all he was doing here. He's an innovator and a job creator. Stop attacking him. He, he said ring doorbell. He's got a ring doorbell. <gasps> it definitely went off when they scooted in. And he went, this is not the Amazon guy. This is not the Amazon delivery guy. This is a, this is an unwanted intrusion. He was trying to be a good Netflix and chill for Christine. And he had ordered her an Uber Eats because last time when he had bad snacks, it went badly. Yes. And I'm, I'm writing a stupid AU as we go. How do you think it's going for Christine right now? Oh, that's a good question. I was thinking about that because, like, they've been taking a while. They've taken a couple hours at least, um, if not longer, because that whole first hour where he's just, like, explaining, like, the issues to people and no one's listening. 
Well, and I assume three hours, so I don't think it's going great. I think there was probably scenes cut out where, like, Raul had low electrolytes and was dehydrated, so the Persian had to like pull a juice box out of his little emergency kit and be like, "Okay, take a sip." Okay, okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see how this is different than the um, musical because I think it is different. I do hope that there is a wedding dress. We will see. Mm. We will see. So yeah, we'll we'll be coming at you on our next episode with what's the next uh, chapter called? That's a great question. Chapter twenty-two concerning the interesting and instructive ordeals undergone by the Persian in the belly of the opera. So we get the Persian's tale. Was that chapter title written by Sufjan Stevens? Apparently. <laughs> concerning the ufo sighting but maybe we'll link to that that's a nice song um yeah so we get to hear a little bit more about the persian which will be really exciting and then i th- i'm sure we're 72 percent of the way through this book we've got it we're gonna see rick again soon real soon soon oh i'm excited um speaking of seeing rick Last week, Kara, was a year since a very special experience that we had together. And since we did talk about one Jeremy Stoll at the beginning of this podcast, and since apparently everybody's just like kind of openly bugging Jeremy Stoll now, like watch the space, we'll see how it goes. But we went to see Phantom about a year ago. I made a special trip because Jordan Donica had returned to the show. Uh, Tony Tony Award nominee Jordan Donica and because Mm -hmm. I really 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 wanted to see Emily Kawachu and missed her the previous November by like a day so we went to see the show the rest of the cast was like you know the regular leading cast and we were going to see it again but it's like kind of a lot of money to pay if you're seeing the same people so you know we have a little brunch we go for a little walk we walk past the Majestic just to see and at this time, I, I make eye contact with, like, a front of house member. You know, the show hasn't closed yet, so they're not in, like, abject fear at the sight of any... Like, our pictures aren't yes. posted up on the wall yet of the Majestic. Right. So this nice person is like, hey, can I help? And I was like, oh, sorry not to bug you. Just I wondered if any understudies were on today. <sighs> and the guy's like, oh, yeah, there's hella understudies on today. <sighs> and I, I think the rest, you and the rest of the group can attest. I said something like, oh, are any of them playing principles and he says yeah the phantom's an understudy (sighs) and the way that i said is is it jeremy stole and he said it is jeremy stole and then kara what would you say happened what was the energy that descended upon the group it was the video of the people drinking the mimosas grabbing the gun from the (laughs) side table running i you were still standing there because time was normal for you but we ran, I kid you not, adult women running to get in line, to go to the box office, to get tickets. And then it was also so clandestine because they were like, oh, there's like, there were so many seats available, but like, it was still like, you know, a couple hundred dollars. And we're like, oh, that's kind of a lot. And they're like, well, you can sit in the box seats, which are obscured view, but not bad. And they're discounted. Yeah. They're like 50 bucks. And we're like, holy shit. And they were like, well, do you have like, there were like five of us. And they're like, yeah, we do. And we're like, oh my God. And so like for like 50 bucks, we got to see, I kid you not, the greatest like cast of performers that we have ever seen. Because we saw 
Jeremy Stoll as the Phantom, Emily Kawachu as Christine, Jordan Donica as Raul, who is amazing. He was only on for like two weeks in July last year, and then he was so sweet at stage door. I know. It was ridiculous. And he was he was so sweet at stage door, we maybe revealed that some of us flew across the country to see him like normal people, and Uh uh, he was so nice. I told Jordan Donica to his face that I carried a watermelon, but no, like he he really was sweet because our friend was like was so nice. She was she was talking to him, and I was just kind of standing there, and he like looked at me like I was like, "Hey," I was like, "I enjoyed the show so much. I've seen it before. I actually got on a plane just to see you." And he, I, my, I must have not said it like terrifying because he we had a perfectly nice conversation, but uh, certainly did have to ask that man if he would ever play Phantom. Um. He he alluded to that he knows the ro- he could do the role, you guys. He could do the role, but but that was just it was such a special memory because I think there was like a collective concern, like obviously we're gonna try to like bum rush the box office, but will one of us have to be sacrificed? Like who yeah. what are the odds that all five of us could get in? And then these nice employees whose spirits had not yet been broken by uh just the behaviors of the fandom when closing was announced could see that like an energy had overtaken us a very concerning energy and so like someone from another party like had a ticket that was unused so they let us apply that to like like the collective cost of our tickets and it was just really fun and it was the most I got so excited to see the show because it was I don't know how to explain the specific phenomena of (gasps) I'm gonna hear this person say the thing live he's gonna do the thing um yeah because we had seen him in bootlegs, but he's like, he's a fan favorite. And also hard to explain that it was very funny. We were in the second row of the box, so like some of our friends were ahead of us. And just watching one of our friends just clap her hand over <laughs> her mouth by how like booming and During, lovely his voice was. We we watched her go through a spiritual journey every, during yeah, Point of No Return. Every stage of grief. Um, and it was extremely profound. I whimpered no quietly. I mean, and it was just us in the box, like when he would like, you know, stand and walk and do things like that. But yeah, we'll see how much we keep in. But it was just such a special memory. And it, you know, I I do get what people think about bootlegs, but that would never have happened if it wasn't for bootlegs and streams. So no, I know. Just uh, so grateful for the friends, for the friends we made. The real phantom is the friends we made along the way. And the real phantom is, uh, the Persian and Ral are stuck in a box right now. They're in a giant air fryer, and they're about to get absolutely spit-roasted by the Phantom of the Opera. So next week, we will definitely try to do... I mean, we'll see how horny it is uh, if we can do one or two chapters. Yeah. And I'm back from my trips. I promise I will not have more trips. Um, so we will try to get back on schedule. Probably finish this by the end of the summer. And then Phantom of Manhattan. Yeah, news from the front lines from uh, senior mm-hmm. buddies in the cast, hopefully, at BroadwayCon. So, um, so, yeah. If anyone else is at BroadwayCon, come through. We got to get merch. You can't. Oh, I hope you do. I hope you do. You can follow us on social media. That's a choice that you can make. Um, mm-hmm. It would be a special gift for me if we could just get to that 100 followers on Instagram, which I haven't been posting on. But, you know, you know, I think we could try to step it up for the end of the pod. For the end of the book, certainly. We're on TikTok, we're on Instagram at Laro Less Traveled. And Kara, do we have anything else before we 
just tell the listeners not to go prowling and like get locked in someone's uh, man-sized microwave. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you should have... Dick Cheney had a man-sized cabinet and that this is Rick's version of that. <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, this man is microwaving a lot of his meals, so, like, you have to assume that he had this. Um, Rick invented the microwave. Why is no one talking about this? I think we do need to bring back, though, people's retirement plan needs to be, oh, yeah, you can just crash at your place of work forever until you die. Yeah. We will link to, we'll link to Phantom Italy. There's a lot of really great content coming out of there. Um, Phantom China great content phantom korea amazing content um sounds beautiful a guys. ballet version of phantom that's like getting a oh buzz true. In shanghai. true true yeah there's a lot of good material honestly it is crazy that this 35 year old fandom still has material coming out when like not everyone is so lucky nevertheless she persisted um, we're just, we're just like Elizabeth Warren. For no. NPR Lorola's Traveled, we have been Kara and Kristen, super normal as always. Absolutely. We'll see you guys next right. time. Bye. We're here for you. Bye. <laughs>